Hanover Research is proud to share with you the Grant Rants NIH series, an eight-part dive into the National Institutes of Health. Every other week, we will examine a different aspect of the NIH for grant seekers, including an overview of institutes and centers, the R series, fellowships and training grants, resubmissions, and more. Check out the Grant Rants podcast page for information on upcoming sessions and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Have a question or topic? Email us directly at podcast at HanoverResearch.com. Welcome back to The Grant Rant. We are in episode four of our NIH series for 2023. Um, If you haven't yet listened to our previous episodes, we have some great dives uh, where we're talking about uh, the NIH overall, the structure, the process, the people. We also talk about the R series in episode two. And then in episode three, we uh, take a look at uh, fellowship and training grants. Um, And then now we're going to to talk about uh, one of, um, I think, the most common topics that I encounter when I'm uh, speaking with PIs uh, across my client pool, um, resubmissions. Um, so I'm Mallory Waters. I'm the host of The Grant Rant, and I am joined by my trusty NIH uh, colleague, um, my NIH wielding oh, you you know, knowledge powerhouse, Tom Kuhn. <laughs> Um, All right. So let's talk about resubmissions today, Tom. So resubmitting is a very common practice. um, And I want to pause there and say it's a very common practice. Um, If you if you are, if you are funded on the first try, you are the exception, you are not the rule. So I want to just, you know, encourage anyone who has submitted a grant and had that come back not not funded, whether that be to the NIH or elsewhere. Do not be hard on yourself because this is this is part of the process. So resubmitting is common with, you know, research grants, especially at the federal level. It is um, exceedingly rare, as I said, although it's not impossible to receive a grant on the first try. Um, so in many cases, resubmissions are expected and they can actually provide a lot of value in terms of the feedback that you will get and receive as part of, um, you know, your first submission. So, Tom, to kind of kick us off, um, NIH has kind of a u- has kind of a unique resubmission process, and it's and it's really evolved over time. Um, so, can you talk us through about how the NIH resubmission process differs from other federal yeah, agencies, absolutely. such and, as the NSF? You know, as you said, a resubmission really is uh, when you get an unfunded application that was submitted, that was reviewed, and you are working to modify it following that review, and then resubmit for consideration. Uh, as Mallory mentioned, this is a common occurrence. There are not many PIs funded on first submission, or even those that are very successful uh, are working on in the next iteration of their projects. And so NIH has a very defined strategy for a resubmission. In the past, it used to be uh, fairly involved. You would get your you would get your original submission back plus the review panel's comments and you were required to make the changes in that original submission to highlight them in yellow and to write a page about uh, summarizing how you addressed each of the reviewer comments in the resubmission. Those days are gone, um, but it's still the same idea. You're taking an, a, a previously submitted grant, all the feedback that you've got from the agency, and you're effectively submitting uh, a resubmission, which for NIH, they call it an A01, uh, A, sorry, A0 is the first submission, and A1 is the one allowed resubmission. In contrast with NSF and the DOD and many other agencies, there's not a lot of opportunity 
to resubmit as a resubmission. NSF does allow resubmissions. They treat every single proposal as brand new, so they don't burden their reviewers with having to uh, look back at the previous review and, and adjudicate what the applicant has done. So there are some advantages here. Uh, a resubmission application uh, for, for NIH is really an opportunity for that the program officer and the, and the science review officer are saying, go back and fix this project. You got close. Here's the enthusiasm. Here's the reviews. Here's the strengths and weaknesses. Uh, make the fixes and submit it formally back to us as a resubmission. Uh, only allowed after you've gone through a competitive a new renewal or revision application that was not selected. Um, and, and that include uh, uh, it, that can include submissions that were not even discussed with the, you know, the double blank score and no, no good feedback. Uh, again, only one submission of, an, of a competing new renewal or revision will be accepted. Uh, this must be done within 37 months of that previous submission or, or the, uh, sorry, I should say the notice. No, actually, it's from the date of that original submission. And after those 37 months, then your application automatically becomes a new proposal. Uh, you may always submit an unfunded application again as a new one by not designating it as a resubmission. So it's not a requirement. However, the advantages to you in a resubmission are the opportunity to go back to the same study panel to have a clearly revised proposal that your panel, science officer, and others are familiar with and that you have shown definitively that you have taken all of their considerations into play and made decisions to either address or to change in such a way that they're not applicable. Yeah, absolutely. I remember yeah. the original way that they did this uh, with the resubmissions. This way is much nicer. I like it a lot more. Um, so this one, it's, you know, it's very clear. It's AOA1, AOA1. <laughs> so you kind of go in that pattern. Um, and, you know, it, there's a lot of nice things, um, as you said, you know, about being able to submit an A1 uh, where you have that introduction to um, the resubmission. But as Tom also said, you don't have to go that route. You can you can do an AO and then you can do another AO. Um, and Hanover is here um, to kind of talk you through the yeah, reasons why you might one do of that. The, one of the main um, reasons you do that is that, but, you, um, that the feedback came such that you made such substantial changes that it makes more sense to go in new rather than a, a if they came back and said your study design, the power equation aren't there, but everything else is great then a resubmission makes sense if you're taking care of technical flaws and other things. Uh, and perhaps there's things that you'd already thought of, you just didn't get in the proposal, mm -hmm. but a new submission is when you've done so much work that it essentially is new enough that it might benefit from fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's dive into that a little bit more. So, you know, a PI gets their summary statement back and um, they get they get to see what each, uh, which each person thought of it. They get to see some of the weaknesses and uh, the strengths um, and, you know, the score or the lack of the score. Um, but what are some things that they should consider when they are making that decision, whether to submit an A1 with that introduction to the resubmission or to go in as an AO, yeah, critical, you know, critical a brand thing new submission? Think about. And I think, you know, one of the things that all of us would say at Hanover and probably Everyone in the grant space is universally get the, you know, receive the summary statement, take time to go through it carefully, slow down, understand it from different perspectives. I mean, sometimes these things even contain contradictory feedback, um, allow time to, to digest the merits of what they're saying and also the emotional reaction you have. 
And when you have time, come back to it, look at it objectively and de develop a list of major and minor issues and, and decide whether you can uh, make the kinds of changes. So, you know, there are important decisions to be made. We would recommend that these are based on the evidence and the feedback and that you do this in an objective manner. Um, in general, we know that the data show higher rates of success uh, for applications coming in as a resubmission. Uh, but we know there's a lot of other factors that influence influence whether researchers decide to resubmit or to submit new, which we talked about a little bit. You know, it's substantially different. There might be different groups of collaborators or in general, the conversations with the program officer might be such that you're, you're probably going to benefit from a new submission. Um, it's really important to consider the resubmission application when you can actually address the weaknesses that are described in the summary statement, because if you can do that, you'll get the same mostly the same review panel to take a look at it and note that you've made those significant changes. Um, uh, often, though, all additional preliminary data are needed to address those criticisms. So if that's the case, you have to think strategically about your resubmission or, or a new submission and the timing of that so that you can get those uh, kinds of additional details because, you know, those aren't things that you can just fix in a proposal. Um, notably, the time increase as the time increases between the original application and any planned resubmission, the, uh, the reviewers are going to probably expect that there's more work being done, uh, better preliminary data, perhaps even published, and evidence of your productivity in the, the, the 37 or more months it takes for a resubmission. And so they want to see that you know there's going to be an increased demand in terms of uh, some of that accountability and expectations. And again. Uh, we recommend highly that you're discussing the strategy that you choose with your program officer, whether you go with the new application or a resubmission. Yeah, so let's dive into that. You know, I talk about this all the time. I've mentioned it across, I think, every single mm -hmm. episode that I've ever done of the Grant Rant. Um, but, you know, the program officer, they're there to help you. So talk to me about why it's important to have this conversation with the program officer about you know, a resubmission yeah, exactly. and, I mean, you know, get their feedback. Particularly for resubmissions more than anything, but always talk to a program officer. Always get on the phone with them to the extent you can and gain insights. They're, they're never going to not help you. Um, but with a resubmission, it's critically important because you've submitted to them. They know who you are. They have gone through the panel, so they have a sense of the, 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 the strengths and weaknesses of your proposal. They understand a little bit more about who you are in that continuum of professionals that NIH is funding, and they really manage the whole process. So they have firsthand information about what happened in the panel conversation, what impacted the scoring, and the likelihood that you're going to be successful, whether you resubmit or you come in with a new submission. They can also give you some good insights into the panel conversation and what was the basis for agreements or disagreements. Uh, in the case of conf conflicting responses, why did that happen? Uh, do you, which reviewer comments should you take more seriously? And all kinds of issues that you may or may not uh, you know, anticipate talking to them. But that will always, almost always directly inform not only the quality of the work you're doing to create the new or resubmission, but the actual success that you have in submitting that, uh, especially a resubmission to a similar panel or a new submission that's changed so much that the program officer has some good indication that you're, you're, you know, you're not taking this personally, you're coming back with improved science and you're one of these uh, faculty that's just going to persevere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I want to just 
pick up on something that you said there and you said earlier when you were talking about, you know, resubmissions in general, but, um, you know, the emotional factor here. Um, I have I have seen so many summary statements and there are times when it's clear that uh, the folks who were reading your grant didn't read it well. Um, they miss things. They're they're telling you that you need a biostatistician and you have one clearly. So you know that they didn't read well. Um, and it is very easy to become angry and to become emotional and, you know, want to use that introduction to the resubmission as an opportunity <laughs> to just tell them what you think of them. Um, and right. to be very and and to be very aggressive. Um Tom, Temper. Uh, why Temper. do we we're not all humans, recommend right? That? No one wants to get yelled at in customer service. Uh, there are a lot of uh times where we see conflicting or we, we can tell that a reviewer skimmed a proposal. Uh, but developing rapport and going back to the program officer, addressing the science is what matters to them. And if there are cases where there are conflicts or it was clear to the program officer that the reviewer didn't read your proposal, you're probably going to get that person as an advocate so that next time you come in, those, those flaws of the review process don't impact your work. So there's so many reasons, yeah, to, to, to be in touch with program officers, to stay away from the emotions, to focus on the objectivity of the science, and to be uh, persistent and, and, and strong-willed and, and to constantly convey and market yourself and your work as, as uh, the impacts that you expect to make sure others know that too. Yeah, and I, I really can't stress enough that um, it may feel like a very isolating personal thing that is happening to you when you get that summary statement back. Um, But it's, but it happens to everyone, everyone, everyone who submits to NIH goes through a process like this. Um, As I said, there are, there are people. uh, And, and, you know, one of my favorite stories is, you know, I had a client who was uh, going to submit to, um, you know, DOD, so different agency, but um, they submitted their um, pre proposal and DOD said, we're not interested. Right. You know, you're not invited to, you know, submit, but they could still technically submit a full application. So they did and they were funded. And people love to point to and, and this particular PI love to point to that to say, see, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. th- th- pigs can fly. Uh, you know, this is this yeah. is what that is the exception. That is not the rule. And that is the case with NIH. You know, it is the exception to be funded the first time out the gate. Um, that is not the rule. So, you know, no matter how much it feels like you are being personally attacked, that your research is not being understood, um, know that there are thousands of other investigators across the nation and globally who are experiencing the same thing when yep. they get and that you know, summary said, statement you back. If you don't play, so you stay in the game. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So one thing that comes up sometimes is, you know, when they get the summary statement back, they may, you know, a PI may be like, "Ah, I think I was in the wrong study section, just based on the feedback that they're seeing and kind of, I don't think that they understood what I was doing. So can they make a request for a different study section when they... Yeah, we talked about that a little bit in the first session, uh, the first episode. Yes, the resubmission applications are generally assigned to the same study center, and you have opportunity to track how that's being done uh, seven to 10 days after submission, and then again, 30 days as the SRO tells you where your, uh, your, um, your proposal is going to land. The, you know, again, the division of receipt and referrals at the CSR does the assignments. They usually accommodate requests, especially if they're appropriately justified, um, and, you know, and, uh, and you provide that well before the beating due date. Uh, they certainly reserve the right to make the final decision, but there is an interest you have, there is an interest that you share with your science research and program officers that you get, the proposal gets to the right group, especially on a resubmission. 
And so there's going to be opportunity for you when you have referral questions to get in touch either by email or by telephone directly with the CSR referral office. They are very cognizant uh, of the fact that there are PIs that watch and see where those assignments are happening. And I can't impress upon you enough that if you feel like you're in the wrong study section, NIH has these two windows of opportunity for you to make a difference and a clear line of communication to the CSR uh, to, to make that known when you need to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I know that we'll talk about this um, yeah. in another episode, but use the tools that are available to you, NIH Matchmaker and, you know, things like that, you know, to find the study section. Um, I know even when you're on the study section website, so they have, you know, when you go on to the Center for Scientific Reviews website and you find, you know, the study section that you think you're going to be in, it will give you, you know, kind of a breakdown of these are the yep. things that the study section focuses on. And here are some study sections that are related. Um, and so, you know, take advantage of that time before you submit even to, you know, take a look and kind of figure out, okay, um, I can tell by the people who are on the, the you know, roster, I can tell by kind of the things that they're focusing on that, you know, this is the right place for me, or uh, this is yep. kind of similar, but not quite right. Let me look at some of these other study sections to find out where I need to be. Um, and you can usually, you know, sometimes you can find that and you can get hints to that in the actual summary statement. So we'll get feedback from, um, you know, PIs where they send us the summary statement and the comments are very light. You know, they weren't uh, they weren't scored and the comments are very light. And sometimes that can signal that, you know, either the study section didn't understand it because you were in the wrong place or they just weren't enthusiastic. Um, so that's another good reason to, you know, again, reach out to your program officer, have that conversation, find out, um, you know, am I am I in the wrong place? Is it something that, you know, my proposal was just, you know, uh, not understood because it was, you know, in the wrong place or maybe they right. got it, but they just didn't think it was, you know, um, interesting. So they didn't want to spend time providing a yeah, lot that's of, absolutely you know, great true. And feedback. if I may add another layer of of sophisticated approach. Uh, I learned years ago uh, watching a very sophisticated MD PhD who leads a family medical practice at an academic medical center receive a rejection on a proposal. And she asked her research staff before the resubmission as they were working on it. And then again, as they submitted, not only to understand who was on her review panel, but to bring up all the relevant literature that they had written regarding the work that they were putting so she could start to understand where they're coming from, their biases and others, because she was determined to win these dollars. And it was that extra level of effort, I think, that helped her uh, get a much improved score and an award on the, on the resubmit. So there's a lot of opportunity to leverage this mm -hmm. insight. Don't yeah. just think that it's a perfunctory uh, process exercise. For those of you that are really seeking these dollars, understanding who your reviewers are is a rare opportunity. You'll never see that at DOD. You'll never see that at NSF. But the NIH does publish who they are. So you have opportunity to see who are the paradigm makers, who are the innovators, uh, and look into a bit of their bios. I was very impressed with that level of uh, intelligence research for, for an R01. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you're strategizing about resubmission in addition to the program officer, um, you know, reach out to someone like Hanover. Uh, we can help you kind of decode the summary statement. We can help you, you know, structure your um, introduction to the resubmission. Um, quick shout out to Grants Consultant Brian DeBusk, who said mm. this is his favorite part of the NIH proposal process is, you know, helping with those introductions to the um, resubmission. Um 
And, you know, if you're not a partner with Hanover and, you know, you have um, a, you know, you have folks who have experience with this, whether that be in your research office or peers or mentors, talk to them. They can really help you. They've been through it. They know what it's like and they can help you structure that, you know, introduction to the research or introduction to the resubmission so that uh, you are setting up a, you know, compelling case for why, for the changes that you've made um, and why you should be funded. Well, resubmissions, uh, you know, common, um, fun, and great opportunities, especially at the NIH. Um, So I think that's it for today. Tom, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about, whether that be resubmissions or you want to do another plug for yeah, the last thing I would say about resubmissions anything is that like we that. have a lot of evidence, not just anecdotal, a clear pay line evidence that uh, rates of success are much higher. So I can't quote ranges off the top of my head, but you're going to double your chances of success on a meaningful, thoughtful resubmission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, yes. uh, we can help you with that. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's it's one of, you know, the primary areas where we see improvement is between that first submission and in that resubmission. You may not always get funded on that, you know, resubmission. That's just part of the process too. But check your scores. Did your scores get better? Um, you know, was it actually, you know, something that, you know, was close to pay line, if you have that information? Um, again, check your institute and your uh, center's website to see if they publish pay line. Use the tools that, you know, you have, whether that be Hanover, your mentors, you, you know, we are just an, another tool within your toolbox yeah. to help you, yeah. you know, eventually cross that line Ryan, and get the funding. I'm sure so many others, Steve Jack, certainly Sarah Ott, our resident NIH expert, that these are... These reviews and resubmissions, when we have the work that you do, lines up so much with the support that we provide. So, yeah, we are all enthusiastic about helping you win uh, when you're not funded on a first submission and you have good indication of ways in which you can improve your project and your proposal. Yep, absolutely. All right, that's it for resubmissions today. Um, If you haven't yet checked out our earlier episodes, go back and do that. Uh, There's a lot of good information in there about the NIH, the R series, um, all sorts of things. Um, So check that out. also, I want to flag that if you are a Hanover client, uh, we actually have a grants learning center. Um, there's a lot of really cool modules in there specifically for the R series, but we are growing um, and we have toolkits and all sorts of things to help you when it comes to NIH. Um, our next episode um, is going to be on international grants. Um, so for those international grant seekers. Um, so tune into that and uh, we look forward to, to having you back.